Hey y'all, this is Shanice. And this is Alice. Welcome to Brunch in the Evening. It's your host Shanice for Brunch in the Evening. I'm back home in Atlanta, Georgia. So unfortunately my co-host Alice is not with us. She is back in the Bay Area with her family. So without her, I have a special guest. I know we don't have a lot of guests on the show, um, but we have one today and it is a close friend of mine from college. His name is Robert. Hello, everyone. Welcome, Robert. Um, so, yeah, so I wanted to bring Robert on because we go way back. How many years that has it true. been? What, 10? Almost 10 years? Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yes. Think about it. When did we meet? I'd say, I mean, I knew of you in college. Yeah. Just in passing. So that's at least 2009, that's 2010. True. And, we're and both- guess what? We're both 29. Yeah. It's been 10 years. So a 10-year friendship here. So I figured, why not bring him on the show and talk to him? Because he has a lot of interesting things going on. <laughs> interesting is a way to put it. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> uh, me and Robert are both 29 years old. Yes. From Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. And Robert currently works as? A special agent. For? <laughs> you know, we're going to keep that in the house. <laughs> Let's say FBI. Okay. So FBI. we're going to say the FBI. So I thought that was just so interesting working for the FBI. I didn't mm-hmm. know anyone who works for the FBI. So can you tell us how you got to this place? Because it seems like that'd be a really hard job to come across. Yeah. And I, it was a journey, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, I had that in my mind that I wanted to be a special agent back in the college days. So Mm -hmm. 2010, I'm trying to set myself up for success and say, what are they looking for? What did I need to do to get there? However, you know, life happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So coming out of school, 2011, 2012, we're recovering from one of the biggest financial crises that the United States has ever seen. What crisis is that? That's the the mortgage crisis. (laughs) What mortgage yes. crisis? So, like, that's the whole reason the economy crashed. I thought you said it was 2008. It, so, we were still recovering. Like, oh, you were recovering. In 2008, yeah. but okay. people still weren't hiring in 2011, 2012. Mm. Like, we really didn't come out of it until about 2016, 17, where everything kind of stabilized again. Gotcha. And so, we graduated in 2012 from college, from yes. undergrad. Yes. So, what did you study in undergrad? So, in undergrad, I studied accounting as an undergrad, and then I went and got a master's of accounting. Gotcha. graduate school so and from kennesaw state university from kennesaw the kennesaw, kennesaw state, state university. university yes both owls <laughs> <laughs> um so why did you feel like you why did you do accounting so when you think about accounting and let me not let me not tell that story like my dad was a very strict man mm-hmm. like when i went to school it was we had limited options of what we could major in because he didn't want us to go to school have a lot of student loans and come out with a job that wasn't going to help us be successful. So, so you couldn't. So he gave us options. So he said accounting, technology, um, biology were like the areas that he kind of wanted us to stay in. But at the end of the day, he knew that it was our decision. That's just a parent being a parent and trying to guide you from their own experience on what they think success looks like and what it should be. Right. And I'm happy he did that because right. I actually was always good with numbers, mm-hmm. always good with like thinking through things logically, and that's what accounting is. Right. So it all kind of worked itself out. Got you. Okay, and so accounting. So then why do you feel like you had to get a master's in accounting? So within the state of Georgia, um, 
actually, when you think of accounting, the certification you always hear is CPA, Certified yeah. Public Accountant. Exactly. And in the state of Georgia, you actually have to have 150 credit hours to do that. So typically, undergraduate degrees, you graduate with 123 mm-hmm. or 120. So you have to define something to kind of give space or give you credit beyond the, the undergrad degree. So right. you either can go back and get an additional undergrad degree or you can go the master's track or just take random classes. And you I can't thought, work? No, you can't work. You uh-huh. have to have the education for it. And going through everything and talking to the director of accounting, rest in peace, she actually was um, on my side to get my master's. So mm-hmm. she was pushing me. I went and got it. And she actually gave me a GRA scholarship. So um, I was receiving $4,000 off my tuition of $8,000. So I went to oh, grad school great. for half off. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah not I me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, would, you would think I would be responsible and save my money and all that stuff. Nah. I came out with loans. You did? Just because I just I just wanted to live life. Like in college, you're like, I want that experience of going out with my friends and stuff. And then you pay for it on the back end. <laughs> right. You do. <laughs> Which is weird because you seem like a really responsible person. Yeah, but like then, always, you've always been a very responsible. Well, as long as I've known you, yeah, we've been close. You've always been very responsible, always adulting, always doing what you need to be doing, working hard. So, but when you think about it like that, you can always do more. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's always you can always be more responsible. Like you can always not spend your money and stuff like that. Right. But like in my head, I was like, I got the rest of my life to be an adult. Right. So that's and I, fair. Another thing. I was interning at companies where I was getting commas in my paychecks, and this was the first time I had seen a comma in my paycheck. So, you know, when I go out with my friends, I'm I'm buying rounds yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it wasn't like me buying clothes, and it was just giving my friends experience, those who were supporting me around me, like, thank you for helping me. And that was the, the way I knew how to do it. Right. I was not being a friend at the time. Yeah, I don't nah. remember getting you rounds. Know, you, don't get, you don't get rounds? I didn't. You're, I drinking, did not. you're <laughs> drinking a drink that I made you right now. What do you mean? At that time in college, I don't remember you, you know, buying me any rounds. <sighs> You were you were being Shanice. No one knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it like that. <laughs> Let's keep it like that. Okay, so you got your master's in accounting. Yes. Undergrad and master's. Yes. And then what? And then I went to go work for a big four company. So in the accounting industry, there are like four main companies that people want to work for. Mm-hmm. PwC, Deloitte, KPMG, Ernst Young, like you yeah. hear these names sponsoring and stuff. For yeah, so and it's one of the largest international companies. So mm-hmm. went to go work at PwC because I couldn't work for the government. I couldn't be a special agent. Like, Why they just weren't hiring? Oh, because like, government just was on a freeze. They go these. They go through these waves of we're not hiring anybody. We don't have the budget. Like everything that you see in the news actually affects people. Yeah, like I think um. sometimes it gets lost on like. CNN, Fox, or wherever you get your news from, oh, the government's shutting down. No, that's like people not being able to pay their light bill and all that stuff. And right. It translates into people not getting hired. Yeah. So I had to find an alternative plan. Mm-hmm. And in my head, PwC was the best way to go because it still improved my resume and made me a stronger candidate to do the thing that I wanted to do at the end of the day, which is a special agent. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you worked at PwC, loved it, hated it. Uh, you. Love. Yes. I, I, I thought you were going to stop at love. Um, it was a good learning opportunity is what I always say. Yeah. Um, because How long were you there? I was there for four years. Jeez. Because I was, I was, I was just waiting. Oh, yeah. Like, for the waiting for the, four years? Four and the, years. They were on a freeze. They were on a freeze. I was like playing double dutch. You know, like when you're like waiting just to get it. You're like ready, but it's just, yeah. it's just not 
working in your time. So that so, you just refreshing the career page on the government website? Day. So like, yes, absolutely. There was a way that you can set up daily emails to see mm. new jobs. So I was doing that, checking it every day. Yeah. Like, and there was times where I got discouraged. I was just like, look, you got to come up with an ultimate plan, Robert. This is not going to work out. Right. Because also with a special agent, you can age out. Like, if you if you're not a special agent by the time you're 36, you are not going to be a special agent for the rest of your life. The no. reason being is because there's a mandatory retirement at 57. Like yeah, the timing has to work out. Right. So you always have a, a plan, but make sure that you always have a backup plan. This is how I work through life through that experience. So you asked me if I love PwC. Mm -hmm. um, PwC was great because every year they bring in people that are the exact same age as you, same background. So there's always this like fresh pool of like talent. Right. But also you also get exposure to a bunch of different things that you probably wouldn't do on like a smaller level job. Like I'm talking to CFOs and CEOs six months out of school yeah. and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but it teaches you to be confident mm -hmm. even when you're not confident. It's yeah. This weird balance. Well, because um, you have to be, right? You, you have keep to keep up. Be. You have to be to keep up. And it's funny you say keep up because that's when people get burnt out. Yeah. There's always this element of striving to make more money, striving to put more hours in and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I would say people are sacrificed for results. Yeah. And it's just a hard life to keep up with because there was times where I would get off of work and I would just still think about or think about work on the way home, mm -hmm. hop in the shower, still thinking about work, go to bed dreaming that I missed deadlines, <laughs> wake up in the shower thinking about what I had to do that day on the way to work, responding to emails, even though I don't text and drive. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> uh, still doing that and getting to work and trying to keep up with demands and then I got to a point in my job where I was a supervisor mm. so I was responsible for other people's work as well yeah and just know once you get to that supervisor level or manager level nothing's their fault everything is your fault exactly like, well, that's a good leader right yeah. you got to take it you have to take responsibility for whatever your constituents or reporting staff does yeah at the end of the day so how long were you at PwC before you became a manager um, so I would, I would say four and a half years, four years. Ooh. So, and then. So you became a manager right before you left. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, it was actually a year before I left because that year I was a manager. I was just like, this ain't, this ain't for me. Right. Like I was like, I'm, I'm done trying to make my resume better. It's all about, I need to be happy. Like yeah. I need to figure out a balance. That's so that's actually, it, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I'm glad it, it spoke up because at a certain point, like you just, it's, it doesn't do you any good if you have a big paycheck that you can't spend or you can't right. enjoy life. Like when you're on vacation and you're responding to emails and doing work, like you got to have a balance. Right. Like, and I wasn't finding the balance there. And that's just my journey. Like other people may have found that perfect balance at that right. place, but Not it just it just wasn't for me. So that's when I took the opportunity to just make a leap. So while you read, PwC, like what was the average salary for someone coming out of college with a master's in accounting? What did mm -hmm. that look like? What was so the range there? Everybody, they call it market competitive. Like mm -hmm. it never paid like market price because market competitive is like the lowest amount of money somebody will take for the job. Gotcha. So they, they play these, they play these like word games with you, and it's it's hard because a lot of us millennials were the first people to go and get master's degrees and yep. our families and stuff like that. And at a certain point, your parents' advice becomes obsolete. You know mm. what I mean? They, that's a job, boy. You better take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> type of, type yeah. of mentality. Yeah. So to answer your question, I came out making 50K. 
Gotcha. And that was like the standard. There was no negotiation. There was nothing along those lines. So when they say everything's negotiable, everything's not negotiable. No, it's negotiable because you can take, you can choose not to take the job. <laughs> that's, your, that's your negotiation. Like you don't have to take the job. Yeah, but you have to be mindful. There's people behind you ready to take it if you're not. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean. So when you have that much leverage in in our society, like you you make the rules. Yeah. So and that's a harsh mentality. Yeah, a harsh realization for us to take in because we've been told you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Lies. But no, that that that's how it was like. That's what you get. <laughs> you want it or no? Because Jim, Bob, Joe, Tony, Andy, they all want the job. So, so but isn't it also because it's that catch twenty two? Like when you get out of school, and so you're kind of like, I do need a job. I don't have that much experience, so I kind of have to take what I can get. Mm-hmm. So things aren't very negotiable. But once you get years under your belt, you're able to negotiate. Um, I would like say if you went that, back now, could I, you negotiate? I, if I went back now, I could take it so you have to look at it from a broader scheme like pwc wasn't able to negotiate but pwc wasn't my only offer on the table so in the business world and accounting world you go to these accounting career fairs and stuff where they're exclusively recruiting accounting majors mm-hmm. and so i'm just going to be honest i had a fifty thousand dollar offer from pwc mm-hmm. i had a seventy thousand offer dollar offer from ge i had a seventy five thousand dollar offer from caterpillar mm-hmm. and i had all these offers on the table but you also have to be strategic in where you want to go like $75,000 is great, but with Caterpillar, I would have to go to Peoria, Illinois. You know what that uh, is? No. <laughs> exactly. I didn't either. So, you know, with the money also comes a sense of living, responsibility, mm-hmm. homes, and your social network. So yeah. another piece of it is because it's a big four company or one of the four largest companies in the world, you have a lot of professors driving you to go to those places because not only is it a good experience, but that university also gets the recognition. Like yeah. we have three of our students at the big four accounting firms. Mm. Like it's, it's like a motivational thing for them right. to kind of push us in that direction. And I, and I don't want to downplay mm-hmm. any of my experience, but it was, it was a good learning opportunity. I take those skills and stuff that I learned in corporate America at PwC and I apply them to my job today. You're right. And you realize that at PwC, when you're working 70 hours a week, you're working twice as much as, the people outside at the other corporations. Mm-hmm. And with that happens, you're actually getting double the experience. So while that person may have three years of experience, I may have three years on paper, but in actuality, I probably have like five, six years of just the amount of time I put in on the work week. Right. So yeah. it's just an accelerated pace. Mm. Okay. So you leave PwC. Seems mm-hmm. pretty cool. You know, four years is actually a long time. It I don't is. think I've taken, my longest job has been three years. I haven't yeah. gone past that yet. Um, and so you're like, cool, the government opened up. They're like, we hiring now. Mm-hmm. So you're like, let me apply to the special agent job. What happens after that? So I actually just started applying to government jobs. That was that year that I was like, this is not for me. Yeah. So I actually started applying to companies like Coca-Cola, Home Depot. And I'm getting calls and stuff like that, but then I get a government opportunity. So the, the job that I want, the special agent job comes out. I apply. I'm happy. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I apply to another government job with a GSA, which is an agency within the government. And everybody calls me back within like the, the first two, three weeks, ready mm-hmm. to schedule interviews and stuff like that. But the government's just out there floating. The don't special they always? job. Like, the government takes a while, don't they? It, it takes a while. Like from me applying to me being brought on was a full year. No, I believe it. Like, like the co-host Alice, she works at the VA. She's be a she's a veteran. 
and just the VA and yeah. the social worker, it took it takes forever. And she's already a government employee or it, had government right, experience, exactly. so she's in the system, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I uh, I got positions or I got offered positions for all the areas I applied to except a special agent one because they just wouldn't call me back. Mm-hmm. So I was like, look, I gotta go. So yeah. I went government before I went special agent because I was like, look, this is probably gonna help me with this application if I go government. And it was a, they were probably one of the greatest opportunities that or experiences that I had after leaving Big Four. What was that job? It just it was just a normal nine to five job. Mm. Like like I walked in in the morning, people would come up and like have a conversation about like what happened on the weekend, and like I was confused. I was like, "What do you want? Like, <laughs> there's work to do here." They didn't do and that like, at PwC. No, it's like it's very shallow. It's like, "Hey, you watched the game this weekend? All right, cool. So about this work, like, what are, what are we what are we doing here? Yeah. Where are the deadlines? There, they're like, "Oh well, my kid was a butterfly for Halloween, and you know, we went to church first." <laughs> And then we came home, and yeah. she picked all the candy she liked. Like, in my head, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> so, and it's another just getting acclimated story. Like, I'm, like, packing up my first day, and I'm, like, putting my computer in my pocket. And all. I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm putting my computer in my bag and my phone in my pocket. And they're like, what are you doing with your computer? I'm like, oh, I'm taking it home just in case you guys need mm-hmm. to, like, need me to do something. And they're like, <laughs> No, <laughs> leave your computer there. There's no reason for you to take it home. Nobody's gonna call you. Yeah, and like I was like, ah, oh, ha, ha, they're just trying to, they're just trying to play with me. Right. So I took it home the first day. Nobody called. <laughs> took it home the second day. Nobody called. Then I started leaving it there the third day. Like it just slowly, you get that work life balance. Yeah. Like, and I was like, you know what? After experiencing this, I will never go back to a job like I did at PwC. That's good. So, because I think you were doing too much. I think I used to tell you that you work too hard you all did. the time. You did. Because right? everyone knows I don't like to work like that. So but, <laughs> I was just like, you're doing it. too much. And I got it to an extent where you're like, you know, grinding, doing your thing. But it was kind of like, this is not sustainable. Well, and I think that's the socialization of my dad. Like, when I was an athlete back in high school and college and stuff like that, the mentality that he put into us, like, hey, if you're not making yourself better, you're becoming worse. Because your competition is making themselves better. Right. So... I always had the mentality that like I never knew what my competition was going to have at the table, so I had to bring forth the best application I could, and if yes. that meant that I had to sacrifice now to get what I want later, I was willing to do that. But then it was so funny, like I got into the specialized position, I like look across the table, and I'm like, these people are just like me. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> some have even less less credentials and, and less experience than I do. Like yeah. what was I tripping about? But you don't know until you know. Right. Or, or if you, you listen to Shanice. Or if if you listen to Shanice. Yeah. That's I told name. you. I was like Robert. Like calm down, chill out, it's, relax. It's sometimes it's hard. It's a hard mentality where that's been your life. And like what what I wouldn't want to happen, I wouldn't want to have an element of grant where I took that chill. Right. And like that one time I chilled, it was like hm, you could have had that position because that happens too. Yeah, that's like true. that that you didn't review your paper that one more time and you missed a mistake which changed your grade. Right. Like so, with me wanting it so bad and not having an idea of what it took to get there, and me not having the opportunity when the opportunity came, I was going to be ready. Right. So that's true. It happens. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. 
You know, I feel like it's a rap song. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a rapper now too, Shanice? I have many what, what don't you do? Exactly. That's the real question. So then you do this job in the government to uh-huh. get you in the door to become a special agent. Uh-huh. And finally, they call you back. Yes, they call me back. Okay. You're like, yes, they call me back. So what is that process like when they, the FBI calls you to be a special yeah. agent? So they, like, and all this is online, but it's, it was a, it was a feat. Like, so one of the first things I had to do, there was like three phases to the interview. Mm -hmm. So I had to first go take like the cognitive reasoning test to make sure that I had like the smarts to do it. So I had to go schedule it. It's kind of like taking the GMAT or GRE or something along those lines where they tested my, tested my logical reasoning and mm-hmm. also my behavior personality like is that the because you i never told you that i there was like a psychology fbi job that i mm-hmm. applied for and then they emailed me to take the test but it was on a day that i had something to do yeah <laughs> so i couldn't do it and yeah. they're like you have like a, you like have to do it at this time and i was like yeah. what test and i was like man move on but it i, I didn't take it because i, yeah. I should have went I really yeah. wanted to do it just so I could call you and be like, oh, I took this FBI test. I'm be working. Was that before day. I was an FBI agent? No, it was after. Okay, good. Yeah, you had already been like, what is going on? Right. <laughs> no, you had been an FBI agent, and I just saw this job. And I was like, oh, my God, that'd be really cool. Yeah. But I never went to go take the test because I had, obviously, nothing important. But yeah. I thought it was important at the time. And then they're like, oh, you can't reapply for, like, a few months. Yeah. I said, what? Because I missed the test of reschedule. There's so many people that want that job. Like, the application I'd applied to, they hired 92 people. Over 10,000 people applied for that job. Really? 10,000 people. Now, granted, 5,000 of them are ineligible just because they don't they don't meet the requirements or credentials or they've done hard drugs in the last year and stuff yeah. like that. But that that 10,000 is a weird number. Like, and you made it to the 92. I made it to the 92. To do this cognitive reasoning test. Uh, no, so at, the, at that point, it's like 5,000 people in the application process. Ooh, okay. So the cognitive reasoning test, and it's a pass-fail. So gotcha. once you pass it, you actually do another test. And you said the test is kind of like a GMAT or something. It's like, like They're asking like, like lavender is to purple. Yeah. As car is to. Yeah, all that stuff. Toyota. All that stuff. They're showing you shapes and stuff and stuff like that. So it's just Ooh. strictly like. Like IQ. Yeah. Are you intellectual? Um, like once you get done with that, I would say out of that five thousand, probably you lose another half. You lose like half at each phase. Okay. Um. So at the twenty five hundred mark, you go and you take another test on the computer, and it's more strictly related to what you're doing as a as a job. Okay. So, so specifically, especially then. Yeah. So they'll play like audio for you. They'll show you pictures, mm-hmm. and you have to like answer questions about it but you don't get the reference back to the the pictures and stuff like that so you have to be very observant of what's going on around you yeah um once you get through with that like they said say stuff like what was the license plate number and that was be something that they read in the beginning gotcha so this is very it's very difficult so at that point you probably have a thousand candidates left and then the field offices will look at the roster of people and they will pick who they want to interview so if they interview 10 people, they may have two positions, and then they offer those positions. Gotcha. So you may have the job, but that's just the first part because you got to make it through training. How so long is training? Training is six months long. Six what are months. we training for? The war? It seems like it. It feels like it. But So a lot of these places, they have a foundation in criminal investigation, and then they have a specialization in what you're doing. Cool. So the foundation, you're learning how to shoot, you're learning how to drive, you're learning how, and all you're doing is like tactically, you're learning how to clear buildings like a SWAT team. Mm. Like all this stuff, in the event that you may need it, because when you're a special agent, 
you are law enforcement. Like, yeah. you have to go into very dangerous situations at some point. Um, you also have to learn the law. So I had a law professor teaching me the Constitution, what were people's rights, like, what do I have as it relates to, like, searching, what do I have to consider? Right. Like, what are some court cases that I need to be mindful of that justifies, like, how things are operated or handled within the justice system? Yeah. So all that's a three-month process, and then you go back again and start to actually get focused on your actual job. Like, this is what you do on a day-to-day basis, and this is what you need to learn. And to be honest, six months is not enough time. No, it seems like, like a lot now that you're spelling it out. It seems like just law by itself. Yeah. And this it seems usually, like it would take a long time. I mean, I have an accounting background. Like, I have, I had no idea. Like, I was studying every night. Every night, I wake up at 7 a.m., you put on your uniform, you go to the child hall to eat breakfast, and then you're in class all day. So you're, like, off-site. You're not at home going into the office no, for six you're, months. No, you're, like, off-site on a base. Gotcha. Yeah. And Were you in Georgia her, still? I was in Georgia. Mm. A lot of the uh, professors had former military background, too. So people who earn in the military... Like, it's just like, why is he talking to me like that? I'm a grown man. Like, yeah. But that's how they, they put that discipline and regimen into you. So. Gotcha. So was that hard, that six months? Um, it was challenging. I wouldn't say hard. Like, I don't, I don't, it was challenging. But as long as you applied yourself, you can make it through. Now, I'm not going to say everybody made it through training because we lost people um, based on their performance on shooting, based on their performance on academics and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you still don't get the job. Until you graduate and walk across the stage. Okay, so you're going through this training. You're still not hired yet. You're, I mean, you're getting paid, but you're like a trainee. Gotcha. And you can lose a job at any point. And once you lose a job, you're done. They're not going to call you back. They're not going to call you back and you can't apply again. Hey, FBI, we see you out here. Yeah, you see? That's why I'm so focused. Like, once people realize everything at stake, right. it's like, hey, there's no missteps. Like, well, no, I got that after because I think didn't I text you during the training or talk yeah, to you at some you point? Did. Like, how you doing? <laughs> Just checking on me. Yeah, I'm losing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think after you actually became a special agent, you're like, oh, I did it or whatever. I kind of understood like, okay, this is what Robert's been working for yeah. this entire time. Like, this is what he's been sacrificing for and doing all this crazy stuff and mm-hmm. not having a regular young social life out here right, in you make it seem like i was just a zombie you were which is yeah i was absolutely exactly <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm stating facts right here you were yeah. a zombie you were very focused yeah you know what i'm saying which was great but then it was just like my god like you know you didn't really have time for anything else which is fine because you got what you wanted you got the goal that and like you said there was becoming a spe- uh, Special agent, there is no time for missteps. But I mean, I can give you the context of like you getting your license or yeah. being a social worker. Like yeah. you study way beyond what you need to do just to pass. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you don't know what the pass mark is. Right. right. So you walk away with it like, oh, I got a 95 on it. I didn't have to do all that studying. But while you were studying, you had no idea that that was a 95 mark. Exactly. And that's kind of how I felt with the special agent thing. Like It was just a longer process. It just was, it just was a very long, right. drawn out process. So studying for the license exam was like a few months of my life mm-hmm. that I'm like shut out, not talking to people, you know what I'm saying, yeah. focused. But you, I feel like was doing it, well, not from college, but pretty much after we graduated, yeah. basically. You were just very focused. That's you. Yeah. Okay, so what, if for people who don't know what FBI Special Agent is other than what we see on TV, mm-hmm. what is that? So we all have um, a duty to protect Americans. Like, long story short, it all goes back to protecting the interests of those who we serve. So, like, we are public servants. Mm-hmm. Like, 
So there's there's so many different ways to commit crimes. Like so, there's crimes of passion and crimes for a financial incentive. Sometimes they go together. Sometimes they don't. But as a special agent, you have to be mindful of who's at risk mm-hmm. and are you willing to protect that person. So there's things that happen to people like their identity being stolen or them being assaulted or something along those lines and they're looking to you to help them Mm -hmm. and get that done so we have a bunch of individual cases that we work on um that are either assigned to us or come to us because people are always committing crimes there's 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 not gonna be a time where i'm gonna be sitting around like oh everybody's everybody's being good today i have nothing to do like wouldn't that be a great day yeah but then i wouldn't have a job so i don't know (laughs) would you rather be like i always say Social work will always be around because there will always be, be people who need things. There are always mental health will always be there. But it would be a great day to be put out of a job. Yeah, like it'd be a great day. That I, I hope it comes. Yeah, like I, I would just go find something else to do. Exactly, it's like building chairs or <laughs> cooking or something along those lines. Yeah, um, there will always be crime. There will always be crime. There's always people trying to get over, take advantage of others. And stuff like that. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and you specifically work with white collar crime. I specifically work with white collar crimes. Yes. And you know how I feel about white collar crime. I do not trust individuals. I would trust someone more who did something like murder than white collar crime. Why do you say that? Because you're <laughs> so funny. Like we didn't talk about this over tea. No, I just, I'm just very interested. Because, changes. like I said, like. Where I work at, I work with a lot of people who have been incarcerated before, and a lot of them have been incarcerated for drugs, murder, or homicide, things like that. And then I did work with an individual who did do white-collar crime where they were scamming Medicare. And to me, that was scarier because I knew this man was a psychiatrist. So he was very intellectual, very smart man, went to medical school, things like that. But because you're so smart and then somewhat street-savvy, I mean, not that much because you got caught, but you're manipulative. You know what I'm saying? Like, you no. really can't get over on people. You know how to, especially as a psychiatrist, you could, you could deal with emotions. You know human behavior, so you know how to how to move it. Versus someone who might just do a homicide, like I said, crime of passion, money issues. It wasn't this, it's usually not this huge strategic thing where you're really trying and to rip somebody off. Yeah, it's very calculated. And that to me, because yeah. even a murderer who's calculated is more, is more scary than someone who did a crime of passion. Because yeah. that's not your... That's not who you are, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But white collar to me is just is scary. It's like you can't really trust those people. Yeah, and they, I think what makes it hard is they live a lavish lifestyle at the expense of others. Like those right. are the ones I, I really have, I draw issue with. Mm-hmm. Like, not to say I understand people still have money, but there's some times where people feel like they're against the wall. Yeah. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do this or whatever. And I, I, I connect more with those people than the people who have a 75 foot yacht and mm-hmm. just are doing it just to keep up the lifestyle or keep up the that permanent flex like you say in Atlanta. <laughs> so I just got that from a transplant. A transplant oh, in Atlanta gotcha. said that Atlanta is on a permanent flex. They're trying to impress people who don't care nothing about them. Exactly. And I, that goes up way beyond just Atlanta. And it goes into the people I deal with on a daily basis. That's true. But so, I think is that a symptom or side effect of a capitalist society? Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. That you give me some food for thought. So as I do, as is... I do. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Side note or sidebar: How do you feel as a black man in America working for law enforcement? As we've seen as of late, law mm-hmm. enforcement is not. I mean, guess FBI and police are obviously 
different, but mm-hmm. still, you're still kind of part of this criminal justice system that's yeah. very broken, that's really against the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not for us, and you're working inside of it. So, how so is that for you? Let me let me pause you on some of the. <laughs> okay. He's like for us and against us, like. The, the meaning of justice is to be unbiased and, and fair. And, and I can only do what I can as an agent. Like, I can be a change agent to the situation and environment that I'm currently oh, in. Oh, you're a change special agent. Yeah, change special agent. That's what I'm trying to do. Because <laughs> there's extreme pressure with being a black man and, and, and any, in any field, especially law enforcement. Yeah. So there was times in, in training where we would get these role players and... I have to make a decision based on my experience and training on should I take this person's life or not. Now, granted, it's a role-playing situation. Yeah. But you act out as though this is a real situation, and you you really don't understand what it takes to make a decision until you're put in there. So, so are you trying to give sympathy for cops right now? I'm trying to give so sympathy for both for both parties for both parties okay. because not all cops are bad. You're like right. that's that's the and yeah, I should just like saying up. like that's what it is. But what gets perpetrated in the media are incidents that I I can sit here and say not all those incidents are justified from a law enforcement perspective. Sometimes they are way out of line. But there's the things that we do on a daily basis, right and just, that doesn't get any publicity at all. So the narrative of a lot of those those stories put paints us in a bad light. But that's the point of the news. We don't need to see cops doing their job well. Is that, is that the point? <laughs> is that the point of the right, news? Like, like oh, you know, okay. cop, you know um, arresting this drug dealer. That's, that's, I that's mean, not, that was your day to day. That's fine. But what we need to know is like what's going on in the streets. You know, that's alarming. But see, that's 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 just, that's such a double standard because in any other field, like politics or anything, you see you see presidents and senators feeding people turkeys. You know, but that like, doesn't go for their campaign. Right, because they're gonna go for re-election. Every, Cops are not re-elected. We don't. I don't. Why would we need? We can see the good that they're doing. That's fine. But that's never gonna supersede the thing that we've been seeing in the news. Like, that's fair. Like, that's fair. Period. But it's, it's also a, a a balance. Like there's there's not in every profession you're gonna have bad apples because there are people involved. So right. Like you said, me being a black man in America, there's an extra pressure on me to. Stand up for my community and stand up for law enforcement at the same time. Like, be mindful. And sometimes those may be conflicting or sometimes they may go hand in hand. Yeah. Like, me being a cop, I may be able to protect the black community from, um, I would say, crime and fraud. And because typically older black people, older black men and older black women are the biggest people of like identity theft and just schemes and frauds and stuff because they're so trusting or they think they know it all. So they're the victims of this. They are the absolute victims of a lot of the white collar crimes that we talk about yeah. and see. Um, because they they there's been cases where in India they put car D IRS or oh, yeah, FBI on the, on, the, yeah. on the thing, and people are picking up the phone like, "Yeah, oh, this that. is the IRS. I need to, I need to do something." Mm-hmm. Sending and, the money that they're but, asking for. But typically, like, if like me, you know, if I get a call from the IRS talking about money, I'm like, "Okay, yeah, call me again later on." Or, I'll, <laughs> "Yeah, sure, I'll give you my bank account number." I did that, and I just gave him a random bank account. He cussed me out. Like, I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, "Am I doing something wrong? Should I have given him my real account number?" So. To go back to your question, because I don't believe I, I answered it, you said, "Where? How do I feel about being a black man in America, in the red state of Georgia, and mm-hmm. being part of law enforcement?" Mm-hmm. And now I know you're not a cop; you're FBI, but it's just like 
law you, enforcement in general. Yeah, yeah, law enforcement in general. And it's a very corrupt system. It is a very corrupt system. And that's why I've gone in and, and done what I can from a pers- perspective. And that's what I realized. Like, through my whole experience, you've kind of heard my life story. You only can go in and do what you can. You can do no more. Or you can do no less. Like, if I go in on a day-to-day basis and I feel like I've given it my all and I've been just fair, then I, I've done what I need to do. Now, there's there's times where I have to educate my colleagues. Like, yes. hey... This is this is not okay, or hey, it's not okay to say that, or hey, let's let's kind of kind of move our our biases out of the way, mm-hmm. or what do you call them, microaggressions? Yeah, there you go. There you go. You, you know, learned something. You know, I've guy. been I've been around some workers, some social workers, <laughs> throw terms like that. <laughs> but those those are all real things, mm-hmm. and um and but it takes time for you to be conscious of it in your own life before you can go try to check someone else. And that's fair, but it's scary when, like, that's fair. Like, we all have biases. We all have unconscious bias. We, microaggressions, all that kind of stuff. But it's kind of different when people have those things that have not been checked and they work in a field where you can take lives, where you're supposed to be protecting people, Mm -hmm. which you, like I said, there are good cops that are doing that and good FBI agents, whoever. But there are also people who can abuse that and not in a way where... Maybe an accountant can abuse it or a social worker can abuse it. But when someone can actually take your life with it, it becomes a little more serious. Yeah. So it's like, we don't really have time for you to like, oh, I'm just, you know, got to check myself. Like, you really need to have some type of training or something before you get into this field. Yeah. I mean, that's absolute. And and you are 100% right in everything that you said. And it's just, just, oh. (laughs) You know, we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll revisit that at the next podcast, but um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just these are the pressures and stuff. Because I was talking to you earlier about the challenges of putting people who've committed crimes away. Yeah, like those people, like looking across from somebody and them being in your mind a regular person. Because you look at these movies and stuff, it's always someone who just is just a nasty, vile person that you know you automatically don't like them when the movie starts yeah but it's it's real people who who are real situations that you're yeah. taking these civil liberties and stuff away but i mean at this point you do what you can like i got into it to protect those individuals from white collar crimes like growing up um and going to Kennesaw and, and hearing about stories like Enron and WorldCom, which were two mm, of the biggest yeah. things. And, and seeing people get interviewed, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like, my, my retirement was my whole life exactly. type of stuff. And you're like, I I want to do something to help them. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, this I is something that – we need to talk more about it at another time. Let me <laughs> let me be prepared because I didn't know you were going to come across the table <laughs> and say, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> so – Bro, you already um, know when I come, I come. You come hard. Every single time. Like a train. But, okay, too much. <laughs> but I think what, I mean, I think what you're saying is fair and there is going to be, I mean, you got to, you're working it the way you can. But like you said, which I think is good of you, it's like when we were talking earlier about someone that might have done identity theft or whatever, it's still, you still said like, well, that's the person too. So you're taking that person away and putting them in jail, but that person has a family and yeah. has a story. And there's context of why they're stealing identities, right? There's mm-hmm. not just, I mean, possibly they could just be doing it, but it could be out of need or because of, you know, poverty or whatever yeah. might be going on. So I think if you can at least see that, that's better than a lot of people. Yeah. Right. So, Yeah. But it's all just a, a harsh reality you deal with when you're in a field like that. Because there are also the people that will look you dead in your face and lie to you. Oh, 100%. Like, that's human. So there, there. You, you, have to, you have to find a balance. Like, and that's what 
I think that's how I answer your question. How do I deal with being a black man mm-hmm. in law enforcement in America, in the red state of GA, as you said? <laughs> Trump land. <laughs> balance. Yeah. There's definitely a balance. So, okay. um, and that balance is ever changing. So I need to continue to go into work, be mindful of social constructs, be mindful of, of laws and laws are changing and also just check my own biases because it's crazy. Even though I'm a black male, I'm still biased against black men. Like, yeah. And probably black women. Yeah. You're a man. Okay. okay here you go. With black this. <laughs> <laughs> Which I didn't think existed until Shanice gave me a paragraph. Oh, man. Me and you, we're going to, we're going to do another episode on black male privilege. Cause we had that whole conversation. This is why we're friends though. Right? Is that this what why it you is? keep me around. Yeah. You, you had to check dropped. me about my privilege. I was like, I'm in the same struggle you are. No, no sir. you're not. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not. I was like, okay. You know, and that's fair that you thought that. You know, patriarchy will make you think a lot of things. But, you know, that was, you know, but you, what the thing is, though, this is why we are friends, that you're always receptive. Yeah. Right? Not like you shut me down and was like, girl, shut up. I don't know what you're talking about. You're like, okay, read it. Come back with your arguments. Challenge me on certain things. But we can at least have a dialogue. Yeah. And I think that's what we're missing in today's age, just being able to come to the table and being able to agree to disagree, just know that we're still people at the end of the day. You disagree you know? about black male privilege? You know, no, I don't. Okay. Because for this podcast, no, I, I, I do not disagree <laughs> with black male privilege. But it's just things that you're not conscious of. Like, yeah. there's things that, like, because I think... And that kind of happens to our counterparts. Like, I'm not a bad person. That's the that's the first thing I said. Like, I was just like, what is she? Why is she coming at me with this privilege thing? I'm not a bad person. Like, I don't intentionally do that. But there's certain liberties that I'm given as a male right. that allow me to. Like, I'm not checked. Like, I can have an opinion and I'm not questioned. Like, right. and people just think it's right. Like, I could be dead wrong. Right. I learned it at PwC. As long as you say it confidently, they're that's like, the oh, okay, mm-hmm. good, thank you. So. But even with that, and not to get on this, but the, I think, go ahead. <laughs> I know, but what I thought was funny is that when I said it to you or other black male or mother friends, it was kind of like that was the first thing. Like they felt like I was attacking them. Maybe I came out, you know, like like a train. But it's like, do you not see that you now sound like a white person? And we check them about racism. Like I'm not racist. I'm a great person. And it's like no. what I'm saying is that you have this privilege that you were afforded for no reason. And it has worked in your favor. And that's basically what we're saying to black men. And it's just hilarious to me how they had that same reaction. It's like, do you not see that you, you know. How much I do in the community? I have (laughs) black female (laughs) friends, okay? (laughs) I have at least three. Yeah. You go Shanice, you're one of them. (laughs) You instantly get defensive because it's almost like you're questioning, like, what what I saw was I'm taking advantage of my privilege. Right. And I'm like. In my mind, I'm like, nobody's giving me anything. Like, I, I work on a day-to-day basis. Like, I, 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 I try my hardest yeah. and stuff like that. Like, I don't try to do it, but yeah. you're just saying you're just born with it. Yeah. So do black women have privilege, too? To some extent. I mean, and, and everyone has privilege, right? Like, okay. I say I have passport privilege. I've had a passport since I was little. I, I also will tell you things. She thinks this is the funniest story where I thought everyone had a passport. No. Exactly. I didn't no. know that, though, because I've had one for forever. So that's a no. privilege. And being middle class or upper middle class, that's a privilege. Having two-parent households, that's a privilege. So everyone has privilege. But in the general scheme of things, the society of how it's set up, it's like, where did the privilege lie? And, like, how to use that's the fair. power struggle. But I've never heard of black male privilege until you said something because the the around, the mantra of black male is not it's a it's a challenge, not a privilege. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like if you're a black male in America, you're automatically socialized certain ways. So 
I always saw it as a challenge as opposed to this is something I can take advantage of. Right. So that's when you're talking about this is a this is a uh, a reward. I was like, excuse me. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, you can curse. Like, okay. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm struggling out here. But even with the struggle, I think I was having a conversation with someone the other day, another black guy, and I was trying to you know bring him to awareness. I see you are educating the you masses. Know, I try. I try. I see. And he was just saying, well, we're out here getting shot and killed in the street. That's how black men are. I said the privilege is that at least your stuff makes the news. Black women out here are getting disappearing by the day and don't even make the news. No. And you know what I'm saying? So we could be getting killed as well and no one even knows nor cares. At least we care about y'all and we're on the news and advocating and protesting and stuff like that. I said, you have to think about the people or the women or the black women and girls that are going missing and no one cares. I said, so even in that struggle, that's still a privilege that you your your struggle is being advocated for versus ours might not be. No, I get it. And I, I still, like, I think Malcolm X said it, that the black woman is the most disrespected person in America. Like, yeah. I, I honestly believe that because... Even if the black males are going through stuff, I expect black women to support us. Right. Like, automatically, I'm like, look, you're not on the team? Like, what are you talking about? But when people are giving black women a hard time about their figure, looks, hair, or anything like that, I stay quiet on the sideline. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, they're strong. They can handle it. <laughs> right. It's, it's a crazy thing. It's just because I haven't been, and I know that's not okay now. You're right. But back in the day, like, I was like, yeah, you're right. I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not a fan of the black women, like, yeah. and but then that's not a, that's not okay because I look at my sisters, I look at my mom, and exactly. they're all going through the same thing. Right. So I can't say I'm here to support my family, and then on the other end, let people talk or treat women, especially black women, any kind of way. Exactly. So. That's why you're my friend. <laughs> so like, okay, so we talked a lot about your career, which mm-hmm. is great. We're both 29, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm about to be 30 in February. Yes. I'm a Pisces. You're a... The Aquarius. Okay. I yes. like the distinction. Yes. Um, Coming on to 30, are you feeling mm-hmm. any type of way? Because I know I was telling you earlier that I feel some type of way. Like, I feel like I'm changing. I want to change. I mm-hmm. feel like 30 is going to be a big year, you know, a third decade in this earth. Mm-hmm. But for you, you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm changing, but it has nothing to do with me getting into 30. Yeah, I just feel like change happens on a on a daily basis, like on a daily scale. Like, but there's not a big shift. I don't think it's a big shift. No, I think I don't think thirty has to do with. I think your life experiences at the time. Like just because I'm thirty doesn't mean that um, I see things differently all of a sudden. Like I know there's going to be a lot of 2020 vision quotes and stuff coming out soon. So be everybody be ready. Listen to the podcast and YouTube shenanigans. Uh, oh, I see so clearly now. 2020 is my year. Like. But I honestly feel like <laughs> the level of growth has happened at each stage of life. Like, um, going from high school to college, thinking in high right. school that you know everything, going from college to a professional, switching professions and stuff along those lines. So I don't know if a big change is going to happen at the age of 30, but me being 30, maybe I, I can look back and reflect on things a little differently, mm-hmm. but just that doesn't signify a big change for me. But I think cause the reason I had said this was because you and maybe like you said it's just the transition of life like now that you're a special agent you've done that and you like i said you're very uptight very focused i'm sorry uptight probably wasn't the word but you're, no, just, you, you know you're very focused you weren't really chill you weren't really relaxed in my opinion mm-hmm. while we were going through school and when you're trying to become a special agent but after becoming a special agent you're doing different things now and it yeah. seems like you're more relaxed mm-hmm. you seem like you kind of have understand the importance of work-life balance. Mm-hmm. You're into extracurricular activities and doing different things. And yeah. I thought it was because, oh, maybe you're getting older and you're realizing like, hey, 
it doesn't have to be work work all the time. Like I can actually chill, I can relax, I can play, I can learn different things. Yeah, but I think that's the balance of me kind of getting the job, not because I'm thirty. Right. Like I think that there is a, a element of going back to this balance thing, like because when you accomplish your goal, I'm the type of person that's like, what's next? So like I became a special agent. I had been working for it for four or five years, and I got to the finish line, and I was like, I never thought I'd get here. Mm-hmm. Like, I look around. I got what I've always wanted. Like, what else, What more is there? Right. And, like, the next phase for me would probably be wife and family, but because mm-hmm. I'm not there yet, I'm going to enjoy my time as a as a person getting Single black man in Atlanta. Single black man in Atlanta. Woo! With, with a job and yes. a car hey. and his own house. Robert is on the market, guys. God. So now with your free time, what are you doing? I know you do a lot, but share with everyone all the things that Robert. Yeah, you're not just an FBI special agent. You're not just an accountant. You're also. So I'm just me. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to summarize it like that. But I have a lot of friends that I'm the type of person that doesn't say no to an experience. Right. You're pro-experience like myself. Pro-experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's opened up so many different doors and allowed me to get so many different, um, I guess I would say experiences under my belt. Like, so with my, my friend group that I met at PwC, we scuba dive together. We yeah. travel to different countries and do that. And it's funny because it's five black guys that walk up to a scuba dive like dock and they're just like, are you, do you know where you are? Right. We're like, yeah, we're here. We scuba dive. We're certified. Check that out. Let's <laughs> yeah, go. You are certified. But yeah. I think that was always cool about you and your friend group. I think that's why, I mean, I don't know them super well, but I've been around mm-hmm. them and I like them because you guys are these five black guys that are like doing things differently. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing when we went skydiving. They're like, you know, black people don't skydive. We're all like, like, all right, well, guess what? I paid my money, so <laughs> let's skydive. Let's go on this plane. Right. Yeah. So you scuba dive, you've done skydiving, you've mm-hmm. traveled the world way more than I have. Um, it's not a competition. It's not, but I just think it's impressive world. that you yeah. have done that. You've made that something a priority. I think that's something we've connected on. You play the guitar. Mm-hmm randomly (laughs) just when i can so i want to go back to this travel thing though yeah because i think a lot of people are overwhelmed with the travel and the cost and all that stuff like yeah that's why a lot of people we have we have a group of five friends that just make it work like we'll get a place with two beds and a couch yeah we sleep two people to a bed Mm -hmm. like we we make it work we don't live beyond our means but we get the experiences of going and seeing other places right and like i wasn't I wasn't about travel. Like when I graduated from That's Kennesaw mm-hmm. and went to PwC, my partner was like, he's just this rich white guy. He's like, hey, Robert, go to the Bahamas or something. Like, get out of here. Like, why are you working in May? I was like, because I got these student loans, man. <laughs> like, what you want me to do? I got to right. pay these off before I go have any any element of fun. But I was on that whole, there was like a blackout when we went to Dubai together. Like they were having flights for like 350 Do you remember how mad I was? I don't remember how mad you were, and I kind of don't want to bring it up right now. Okay. You were mad, so we gonna go ahead and fast forward through that just though. No, but that was a, that was. I mean, I think that was an awesome time. Like I remember that glitch in the system with Qatar Airlines. I'll never forget it. And you did. I remember you called me or, or texted me or something. It was like we got these deals. You about to go to Dubai? I was so mad because the reason I missed it was because of somebody else, and it really pissed me off. Um, but you went to Dubai, and yeah. was that like your first like big that travel experience? That was my experience? first time out of the country. 
Shout out to Qatar Airlines and that glitch in the thank system. Thank you, thank you, thank you so look much. look at you now. Like, it, it just completely opened my eyes up. It made me realize I'm a lot smaller than I actually am. Yes, and I thought that's I was. what travel really like, does. It's like, there's people on the other side of the world who don't care at all what the United States is doing. I love that. What you're doing as an exactly. agent. Like, who you are. They're just like, you're somebody here to stay in my country right. for, for four or five days and yeah. you're to go back. So. Mm. I didn't know Dubai was your first trip. I didn't know that. Dubai, and we also went to Abu Dhabi. So it was a yeah. good balance. So Dubai is very westernized. So it was a good yeah. transition for me because it was, I could saw, I could see the IHOPs. I could see the different things. That's that good I for knew. people to know because I know a lot um, of black people who won't go to Dubai because they're scared. Yeah. But no, it's very westernized. It's very, it's very westernized, like heavy influence of European travelers and yes. all that stuff. Like they speak English. Like, there you go. Very yeah. easy to get around. But then we went to Abu Dhabi. That looked different. <laughs> That was a little different where you got to do a lot of pointing and, and, and trying to... What do to they speak out there? Arabic. Arabic. So they're I'm not... You just offended so many people. No, that means the door is closing on the subway. We heard really? it so many times. Yeah. Oh! That's all I know how to say. I don't okay. know how to say hello. I don't know how to say any of it beyond the, the, the doors, doors are closing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's cool. So that's good to know. So you start traveling. You under, You got this understanding of like, wow... The world is way bigger than yeah. America, Atlanta, yeah. Georgia, all that crap. Yeah. Okay. And, and then the guys I traveled with were great too because we all work well together because you can't travel with everybody. It's something Ooh. that I realize. When I say I have a podcast episode just on that, <laughs> you yeah. cannot travel with everyone. Everyone, anyone who yeah. travels will know that. You cannot travel with everyone. And, I, and I've had bad experiences. I've had experiences where there were people who would sleep in until you have to understand is it travel or is it vacation? Like, yes. You got to set that expectation up front. And the difference is travel is you're on the go. You're there to see things, get exposure, you're there to do things. Vacation, you can lounge around, lay at the beach, like yeah. wake up at 10. So when so I There's go nothing places, wrong with either. You just yeah, need to know. You need to know. And I always had an expectation of traveling when I went places because I'm only there for five days. Like, let me try to get as much of the experience as I, like, I, as I can. And it works well in our guy group because we have like a, a outline. Everybody takes a, a role. Uh-huh. Like I'm the finance guy. I make sure everybody pays. Uh-huh. There's a guy that looks up excursions and the guy that's, that learns the language. And we all work well together as a team. Right. But that I get so confused when people are like, oh, I don't have anybody to travel with. And it's like, try going by yourself somewhere. Just even if it's not even abroad, like maybe Florida or yeah. like Canada or the Bahamas or something that's very tourist centric yeah. just to kind of get out and get that exposure. I think it's very important in the development of a yeah. person. Yeah, solo travel for sure. Yeah. It's like when I went to, um, was it my 20th birthday or whatever? I went to Hong Kong, but I went with a travel group of people yeah. that I didn't know Yeah, because I didn't have anyone else to go with. So yeah. I was like, let me go. And they were great. Yeah. It was fun. You know what I'm saying? And I would definitely do solo travel. So Yeah. And people always think it's so expensive, but if you give up your Starbucks every month exactly. or you give up those little things, those little expenses, like it can, it can really pay dividends. Because um, yeah. once you go one place, you're going to be you're going to be hooked. You're going to be hooked, yeah. for sure. Um, so to answer your question, I always get off off task. So okay. scuba diving is what I do. I like to play the guitar. I've gotten into woodworking, so I like to to build stools and and chairs and and all these things that I do have been introduced to me by a friend. Yeah. Um. So my friend Michael Palmer, shout out to him. He's introduced me to the building, and it was one of those things where he was building himself. His dad taught him how to do it. And I was just like, hey, do you mind if I just watching in shadow and he was like yeah and i was able to learn enough to come and start doing it myself mm. um he also introduced me to ice cream make my own yes. ice cream shout robert out. makes his own ice yeah. cream robert's ice cream yep. is the best Blue he Bell. made 
sweet potato ice cream. Yeah. Who does that? That's for the culture. It is. You got to really brand that. It is. I, I should. I, I should just come with all different types of soul food ice cream. Like, yes. That's what, <laughs> that's I what love we should it. do. Like pecan pie, just everything that you would Would that be the brand name? Soul food ice cream? It could be soul food ice cream. And then pecan pie, sweet potato pie. Yeah, everything. I, I, maybe like a pound cake, like pieces Ooh. of cake within the ice cream. Yeah. Or yeah. a rum cake. Or rum Very cake. Very Caribbean. Yeah. You know, black people love red velvet. You gotta have yeah, a red velvet. Yeah, you gotta have flavor. red velvet. That's true. Uh, I like that. I don't know. We, we kind of get distracted with the food. Yeah, but, but <laughs> um, get back to it. So, yeah, you make ice cream, you play the guitar, mm -hmm. you travel, you mm -hmm. scuba dive, you know, skydiving. Uh -huh. I'm building an app right now. Yes, about building an app. Nightlife uh, is called Infrared. So, a lot of the individuals who go out and experience nightlife, we don't really know where to go and how to do things. We always based off our, but we base our decision off of prior experience. So yeah. if Club Fed was popping last Saturday, we would think that it would be popping again. But you go there and it's an awful experience. We want to have an app that kind of directs you through the night. That's why it was called Infrared Night Vision, seeing through the yeah. night. Like that's, the, that's the play on words right there. Um, and then just to wrap it up, I think I'm, the last thing I'm doing right now is, is planning a dinner. So I'm partnering with a private chef yes. in Atlanta. Um, and giving experiences to people that may not typically get those experiences okay. is, is always important things to me. Like I love educating, sharing my experience and teaching and stuff like that. So everything's yeah. kind of all coming together. Yeah, you have actually. I think that's another strong point of our friendship that I feel like you're very like we share things. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people when we talk, because me and my friend Alice, we used to talk about this all the time when we worked at Stanford together. We were trying to figure out like salaries. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't be talking about salaries. No, that that's work. important. Exactly. Right. And I was like, especially because Alice is black, I'm black. And I was like, especially against us black people, we need to know what we're, you know, fighting what for. What you're worth. Yeah, what yeah. I'm worth, what I need to advocate for, what's negotiable. And people aren't talking about it because, whatever reason, because it's, you know, society. Um, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, in our community, yeah. at least, we should be able to talk sure. to each other about that, share it, and not be secretive and all of yeah. that stuff but i feel like you know yeah. we gotta have that in our friendship. That, that information is a tool in your toolkit i think a lot of individuals are afraid like and that's the socialization socialization of black people which yeah. I, I sometimes struggle with like you go to the negotiation table and you're just grateful for whatever exactly. they give you versus our white counterparts are like hey you better pay me seventy thousand and it's like, look, Frank, you haven't done anything. I'm worth seventy thousand. Like, either you give me seventy thousand, or you could have a lawsuit. And it's just like, it's like a different just mentality. Mm -hmm. And that's it helps them make more and, and do more and do different things. Like, my parents gave me this advice when I went to PwC, and it was probably some of the hardest advice that I wish I didn't listen to. So going to PwC, my parents were just like, look, you get in there, you keep your head down, you work hard somebody asks you to do something you do it and that's it you keep it moving all right mm. going into that environment where it's more about being boastful and saying oh i've done this and this because that's how you get the acknowledgement and stuff like that somebody who's not doing that may get ignored and mm. that's kind of what was happening to me like you have these different engagement and jobs where people pick who they like to pick and there's also a challenge going to kennesaw like mm. you may have found that out at stanford or where you go now where people say Where's Kennesaw at versus the UGA, a oh, recognized name, or the Emory? And it's Tech. like, oh, he went to Emory. I like him. Put him on my job. And it's like, you don't know anything about that person except where they went to school. Right. And in my household, just going to school, getting a degree was enough. I didn't, I didn't know a difference between going to a certain college would give me more opportunities versus those different right. things. But I love Kennesaw. I love uh, my experience there and, and what happened. But 
it's just different. But I also think that is true. But I also think because think like so, I went to California working at Stanford Hospital. You're right. It may be fact that Emory or Tech they would have known. I'm still kind of shaky on that because they're like, if it's not, you know, but. I still was proud of myself to be able to go to California and work at Stanford Hospital and do all this stuff, going to Kennesaw, and then also getting my grad school at Clark Atlanta, which they no. definitely didn't know. No. They didn't even know what HBCU was. I had to, like, explain that. And it's like, I think people kind of forget or diminish the fact that you really can almost go anywhere and still make your way. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be where, okay, if I didn't go to UGA or Georgia Tech, I'm not going to get these offers. I'm yeah. going to looked over. It's like, no, if you have the skills and experience and you know what you're doing – you could still yeah. prosper. I think Savannah State's motto is you can go anywhere from here. Like It is. Yeah. And I actually do like that. Yeah, I like it a lot, but it's just you have to be mindful. You have to you have to carry yourself differently. Yes. Like so and that was that was another challenge that I had. So I took my parents' advice and then I tried to do stuff that UGA students and everybody else did and that didn't work for me either. So I had to find like this this balance again mm-hmm. of this works for me. Right. So that's what I think you said. What were some of the things that I'm focused on at 30? Just being myself. Yeah. Like, I think that was probably one of the biggest things because I always was striving to be something more. Mm-hmm. But when you become happy with yourself, your life is more peaceful. It is. Yeah. Oh, I would love to end on that note. But I want to hear a little more about the dinner. So, this Southern <laughs> Holiday the, dinner that you're having. Southern Holiday experience. Experience. Yes. And correction. Yes. I think it's amazing. I wish I was going to be in town when you're doing mm-hmm. You're doing on December 7th. December 7th, yes. At what time? You know, those details okay. are still. Still getting worked out. That's fair. Yeah. What is the experience that, the Southern Holiday experience, what can people expect from that? So, they can expect a fine dining experience at a great price point, uh, about $70, $75. Okay. So, Josh is actually a chef from North Carolina. He has his own business called Sincere Fair. So in North Carolina, he actually used to cook for the Charlotte Panthers and high net worth clients and stuff like that. When he went to Atlanta, he kind of just put it on pause. And he was like, hey, Rob, you have a home, which will be talked about in our next podcast. (laughs) Um, And he was like, you know what? I'm looking for a place to host my first dinner. And I was like, yeah, you can use my place. And he was like, I'll pay you $400. And I was like, I'm glad because Yaka was going to let you do it for free. <laughs> so, um, but also when you partner with me, there is an added effort that I put into it because it's not just your name on the line. It's my name on the line as well. Right. And I actually have resources and stuff that I'm going to afford to you. So like any of my friends know that I'm going to support them to the end. And it's actually was really refreshing to see when I put something out there, there are a hundred percent willing and ready to sign up. Mm-hmm. Like, so you do these things for your friends and you think they don't notice or, like, here's an example. My friend Chantel, bless her heart, she she tried to be an independent black woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and put her dining room table together. She completely fucked it up. Like, <laughs> I'm talking screws were in the wrong hole. They were, like, stuck. They weren't coming out. Like, yeah. So she asked me to uh, – she asked me to come down and, and help her out, and I had no problem doing it. So I yeah. came down and helped her out. didn't ask her for a dollar. Didn't ask her for a dime. And it's funny because she's a manager at PwC. So she was talking to her staff, who's Nigerian. And he was just kind of like, excuse me, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to use his accent. He was like, like, what is he doing there? And she was like, oh, he's putting my table together. He's like, oh, how much are you paying him? And she was like, oh, no, he's a friend. He's just doing it for free. He was like, well, you need to get into the kitchen and start cooking him some dinner or something. Because he's just not should be doing that for free. And And I was like damn like i was like should i be charging my friend like this like am i getting taken advantage of right but then you do things 
like this dinner and your friends come out and support you and it's just so positive and so refreshing to know that hey your good works aren't going unnoticed right. um but to answer your question we're offering a five course meal five courses with three specialty drinks nice um and we also are going to have a live musician here playing the violin with some of the, the classic Christmas songs like Let It Snow or in some of the classic R&B songs like Can We Talk by hey. Devin Campbell. Hello. Then we actually have a painter coming, mm -hmm. which I think shout out to Brandy um, because painters are probably some of the hardest people to get in touch with. They have to be in the, the mood to, <laughs> <laughs> to do things. So she's actually going to be painting an elephant and also she's going to be painting a heart for our next event, which is going to be our event in February for our ladies' appreciation for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Where we're going to have ladies sitting at a table serving, being served by men um, with no strings attached. Like, I feel like women yeah. don't really get that opportunity just in, to enjoy themselves, enjoy the company of men without them trying to trying to shoot their shot. Um, not to say there's not going to be shots being shot, but you know, that's not going to be that's not going to be the purpose. Because as you were saying earlier, you always got to be mindful and ready to mingle, Robert. <laughs> so it's going to be a good experience. There's going to be a lot of laughs, a lot of just just time where you have people in the same social class coming together and just enjoying each other's company. Yeah. So that sounds amazing. Yep. Okay, I do have one question. Yes. Okay. So you're the single heterosexual man in Atlanta, Georgia, black yes. man. Yes. Good job. Yes. Car, house, play the guitar, cook, make ice cream, make drinks, you know, all the stuff. Are you going to hit me with why are you single? I love to hit you. <laughs> okay, well, ask me the question so I can I defend it when you ask me that. So what? why do you think you're single? <gasps> what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a time in my life where the FBI was the only focus. So yes. I think that um, while I, I talk to people and, and entertain the thought of it, like at the end of the day, I didn't want to do anything that deterred me from getting to my goal. Right. Because at the end of the day, I didn't want that onus on me. Like, Robert, if you just would have stayed with it, you would have been good. Because it happened to me before in life. Like, I don't want you to think that this is just all my dad. Like, there was times in college where I applied to internships and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, hey, you don't have the grades or mm -hmm. you don't have the social network. And, like, in my mind, I was like, no one was ever going to tell me that again. Yeah. Ever. So, um, in the city of Atlanta, is it's just different because... Mm -hmm. First of all, black women, a successful black woman, far exceed, far exceed um, their black black male counterparts. Of course, like, and it's so unfortunate. And I also, I think my real question or my real answer to you is, I didn't know my worth. Like, I thought that I was the minimum standard mm. of of guys in Atlanta. Like, yes. I thought everybody had education everybody's has ambition everybody it was like at least has a car right but like there's this there's this thing that they do in atlanta where they're like if you take 10 black men they'll say four of them are gay yeah two of them are down low there you go <laughs> like are you agreeing with this assessment <laughs> yeah we got four left <laughs> we got four left he was like one of them may have a kid or something like that mm -hmm. and then Two of them may have a record or something along the lines that's just a deal breaker. And then the last one's in a relationship. So there's nobody. <laughs> like, wow. if you look at my hands, there's nobody on the table. Yeah. So it's like, what What are you going to do? But it's, it's, it's crazy to me to think that that's the challenge 
of the, of the city of Atlanta. And to answer your question, I don't know. I just, I focus on other things. Sometimes I, I miss the, the shots people shoot at me. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I'm just like, you know what, this is, I don't know. I don't want to ruin something good. Um, and it's just an also an element of just having the patience for it too. Like yeah. as you get older, you have less and less patience for, mm-hmm. for stuff. And typically the the successful black woman is very empowered and emboldened and just it, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to, I don't want to step on any toes. <laughs> <laughs> but they have a lot of expectations that aren't communicated, which makes it hard to like walk. Mm-hmm to their expectations if that makes sense so like let me give you an example because you're looking at me like <laughs> like like you're gonna punch me across the table thank you guys just let y'all know that i am giving him the eye like she's giving me the eye where are you going somebody today? help me i'm in Smyrna, georgia right now and this is the last podcast that you hear um so it's just like like i'll, I'll talk to my, my my friends who are girls and they'll just like look my man gotta have six figures and he guys he has to take me out on dates and I ain't talking about no cheap date. I don't wanna go to Applebee's or anything. I wanna go to Ruth Chris because that's what I I am a black queen and that's what I deserve. I got my own house, I got my own car. These niggas should be lining up to me. And it's just kinda like when you go Is that with, true? It may be true, but I don't and Here's the thing that I do. Like, if I ever talk to a girl, I always ask her her type. I don't care what her type is. I'm more interested in how she responds to her type. Mm-hmm. Like, and I asked you your type earlier. And yeah. I was just interested in it. Because if you hit me with the, oh, he got to be 6'2", like, that's the type of uh, 6'2", at least 200 pounds, make six figures, drive a nice car. Like, those are the things that you're interested in, which to me is very superficial. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying all black women are like that, but the ones that I've run into in Atlanta kind of put forth those, those, those different like expectations. And also, it's it's a hard balance when like good guys, because black guys aren't always in style. Like, let me let me be let me be mindful of that. Hold on, let me finish. Look at you. She's <laughs> making a face again. They already know. You already <laughs> I wish there was like a video camera for this podcast. We should have yeah, like the the black guy that was in college. Um, striving to get good grades, playing chess, like playing the guitar was not on the radar for 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 most of the the women in college. That's right. not what you're looking for. It's not until you date somebody in college and like, oh, that ain't it. Mm-hmm. You go start to become a professional and you're like, you know what? I need to I need to kind of change what I'm what my priority is right now. Mm-hmm. This ain't this ain't what I want. Like so then you come back to it and the guys that have kind of been ignored from shooting their shot, they're like, well now now you're interested like right. what what was wrong with me before and it's just a kind of a miscommunication so now at now we're at the age of of 30 mm-hmm. like i'm running into like the family pressure now gotcha so it's like it's like all those i didn't finish what i said earlier so oh you gotta be six to 200 pounds gotta have a job gotta have a nice car and you know i don't i don't be waiting <laughs> i don't be playing about my time i am 30 years old i need a family if you're not trying to come in here and put a ring on it oh then i don't have time for you and it's just like this is our first date like like what are you talking about dog we're eating ramen right now like you hit me with what what are your life goals what are your expectations and it's okay to ask those questions but like you're looking for specific answers like you're not even letting me like you don't even know anything about me and my foundation. You're just looking at where I am now and where you, we're going to go. But you have to understand the past to get to the present to move to the future. 
Don't try to be slick with that line. I, I'm just I like, did. no, that's nice though. You like that. She's yeah, smiling. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But that's what it is because they have this pressure of being like, and that's another thing that girls sometimes do. They put expectations on them themselves. Like, oh, I want to have kids by 25. I want to have kids by 30. Mm-hmm. And then they also kind of put that pressure on those around them or those who they're dating. Like, because I want to have a kid at 30, I need you to be about your business. Like, I right. need you to... You like if we're we're going to be talking for no more than three months before you need to hey do something about this because I'm a catch all right you should know that and it's just you walk into it and I'm I'm just a chill person like I'm just like man this is this is a lot like am I ready to make that commitment like but you are you have all these things set up and I feel like you're chill but you're still about your business I am about my business but I want it to be my decision like I don't want to feel like I'm pressured into making a decision because you have set forth the expectation that you haven't met it. Like, you're walking into 30 with, like, great mindsets. A lot of your counterparts aren't in the same happy mindset you are. They're like, oh, my God, I don't have a family. I don't have at least my third kid. Because by 30, I was supposed to have my third kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real. 30, I'm supposed to have my third kid. Why don't my auntie ask me? I don't want that. People don't want to go around Thanksgiving holidays because... They have the social pressures of their family, like, oh, I see you ain't had nobody put a ring on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's they, they put that frustration and pressure on some people that they're dating. Yeah. So like you walk into you all fresh and uppity and just, hey, hey, I'm Robert. It's like, what you really about digging? What you want? Don't waste my time. <laughs> you laughing, but this is a real thing. Well, because I'm not like that. So I don't see it. Or at least I'm not in that way. I think I am, you know, like, what's going on here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't play too many games. Like I said, yeah. I don't have rosters and all that kind of stuff. So when I'm with someone or I'm talking to someone, I'm pretty like, you know, what's going on? Because I don't want to waste any time. But I don't think I'm, like, that pressured. Because yeah. 30, I don't feel like I should be on no third kid or nothing like that. Yeah. So it's just weird when I hear, like, people are out here in the streets acting like this. Yeah. Like, people come to a 30th birthday and are depressed. You're right. They're sad. And I know... To kind of bring it full circle, I feel like we kind of went on some tangents. Why am I single? It's just, I'm just waiting for the right opportunity. Gotcha. Like, and it's a feeling. Like, you know the feeling when it comes and stuff right. like that. I just don't want to feel pressure. Like, and I and I know, I've talked to girls who have that roster, especially in Atlanta. Yeah. Like, they post a couple of Instagram pictures. Like, they got folks sliding in the DMs, like, five at a time. And they treat people differently based on, like, what they think they can get out of them. Right. So, like, the guy who you just want to hit, you're going to be talking to him all the time. The guy that is actually about something, you're going to be trying to pressure him to keep it moving. Then there's the guy that's just for food. Like, I'm hungry. Let's get, let's get with this. Or I need some affirmation right now. How do I look in this dress? No, damn well, you got your ass out, poked up. It's like, because girls do the thing where they, like, bend their back a little bit and they turn their hip just to make their ass look more fat. And it's like, I knew I looked good. You're laughing, but that's what it is. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Okay, so to end on it, what are the three things that you're looking for as a single, black, successful man in Atlanta? You told me your three. What are the three things that you would want? She got a hat. Ass. That's not what you told me. Ass. And ass. You would not be friends if that was your criteria. I'm talking, I want midgets in the back going at it. What? Fighting. (laughs) Just clapping all day like they had an opera at the end. I'm sorry, that was very ignorant of me. Ignorant and embarrassing. We... Okay. No, so I have a I I I came up with this probably in college. And I still stand by it today. It's called the three P's. Mm-hmm. And I think the first piece of it is the girl has to be pretty. 
Like, I have to be physically attracted to you. And mm-hmm. I think I know people try to throw out there, oh, don't be superficial. No, there has to be some level of attraction there because yeah. that's typically how you get to the door before you open it. Right. Um, I think the, the next piece is a level of presentation. So you have so many different hats that you wear in your life where there is, and you probably, I don't know how you are. You may have probably the same Shanice everywhere you go. Like... Um, whether that be work, with your family, like with your friend group, like. But you've seen me in different situations. Yeah. You've seen me around your friends. You've seen me. And that's why I said you're the same Shanice. I haven't seen. <laughs> I haven't seen. Like I feel like you would wear your hair wrap at a at a at a black tie event. Just be like, I dare somebody say something to me. I I wish a nigga would say something to me about my hair. <laughs> so that's let me digress. So let me get back to the three P's. So pretty is the first one. Um, presentation is the next one. So I don't need you to put on a show or be something that you're not, but you have to be able to assimilate in all the different aspects of my life. So mm. that's if I'm with my family, you can have a conversation with my dad. Or if I'm out with my friends, you can talk to them and talk to me and have a good time. And it really just goes on to, to say like shared likes and interests because you're comfortable around me, comfortable around what I'm doing, and you're confident in yourself. Because there was people that I've dated that I've had to kind of handhold where they were extremely shy. And there's nothing wrong with being shy, but they wouldn't talk to anybody unless I initiated that conversation. Mm-hmm. And once I had, I was out of something to talk about, they were done talking too. And they just kind of followed me around. And I'm just like, no, I need somebody who's confident and independent in themselves. Gotcha. Um, and then the element of progress is probably the last P. Um, and that just means whatever you're doing, like do it well and do it right. Like if you want to be an Instagram model, I'm okay with that, but you're taking modeling classes. Like, you're doing things to make yourself better. Like, if you want to be a third-grade teacher, I'm okay with that, too. Like, mm-hmm. you could teach art, but you're you're drawing, you're encouraging the kids. Like, yeah. you're taking art classes outside of the, outside of work to make your work better, or you care mm-hmm. about your work. Um, and I think that's that's been a lot of the, the challenges, especially that last week, that progress piece, because a lot of people are striving to be single, like, not single, what is it called? Housewives. Yeah. Like they, they're so focused. Like they've done all this work, they've done all this schooling, but at the end of the day, they just want to be at home and relax. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that has to be a shared decision. Like you can't come into the relationship like, hey, I'm gonna be a stay-at-home mom, so I need you to figure it out. Like <laughs> because what if I want to be a stay-at-home dad? What if right. I want to have goldfish and walk around with fruit cups and stuff? I don't think you know what stay-at-home dads do. I think they take care of the kids. kids. House husband 2020 is a company I'm gonna open. <laughs> You asked me, you asked me what else I got going on. House husbands. I'm working with my partner, Justin McClarity. Shout out to Justin. Justin out like that. Justin McClarity. Um, We are going to define a new era of house husbands. We want to, we want to have the option to stay at home and be the the nurturers to our family as well. Right. As the black man. Because, you know, it's not a lot of, a lot of us out there that are considered nurturing and, and those things. So. But we're going to be a new age house husband to where we just aren't house husbands. We're actually bringing in extra income by throwing dinners and parties for you and your friends. <laughs> you see that next level? Yeah, I know. You see that next level of, of gangster right there? I like that. Yeah, you guys get at me. Robert Thornton, House Husband 2020. <laughs> be on the mind. Well, thank you, Robert. Do you want okay, first to... of all, pause. You don't have to put all those T's at the end of my name. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> Robert. <laughs> just, just call me Rob. <laughs> I call you that sometimes. Okay. But I usually just call you Robert. Just soft T this time. There okay, it is. Robert. There it is. Last one had three T's on it. I don't like that. Um, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Anything that you want to like wrap up or let our listeners know or just the last, you know. Uh, I think some of the... The main concepts here were 
was having an element of balance in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Balance is is very important. Um, Another theme that we kind of talked about is just knowing your self-worth and knowing who you Mm -hmm. are and being comfortable with that. And also, don't be afraid to experience something new. Like, I think those are the three things that I can kind of summarize our conversation up with. And I, I really hope if you listen to this podcast, you learn something from me today and you, you are on the direction that you want to go. Yeah. And always have a friend like Shanice. Right? And always have a friend. like That was they- number four. Sorry. <laughs> always have a friend like Shanice that comes in like a wrecking ball with your logic. No, there, you always need to have a friend that challenges you beyond just mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Like you, you have to make each other better in life. You lift as you climb. Yes, exactly. So. Well, thanks. Oh, thank you. Oh.